That's in the Bible, episode 33, Should Modern Culture Dictate Christian Beliefs? times are here, filling men's hearts with fear, freedoms we all hold dear, powers at stake, humbling your hearts to God, saved from the chastening rod, seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Hello and welcome back to That's in the Bible. Here we are with episode 33, Should Modern Culture Dictate Christian Beliefs? And everyone was able to uh, join us again today, and that's Pastor Strobel, Steve, and Matt. And Matt, how are you doing today? Doing real good. It's good to be here. All right, welcome. And uh, no rain, no snow. What's it doing out there? It's actually a little bit dark, but it's perfect weather. A little bit, uh, <laughs> nice little, uh, <laughs> a little bit chilly or uh, nice. Breeze. I think I remember that. That was a comedy skit, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, many years well, ago. Later on tonight, it's going to be getting dark, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering why you're laughing. In the morning, it's going to be lightening up, and uh, we're going to have some sunshine later on in the day. <laughs> Thanks, Matt, for that report. <laughs> Steve. Steve, is it dark out where you are? It's dark where I'm at. <laughs> Even though I'm further west than that, it is still dark. Still. It's always dark in that area. Oh. <laughs> the clouds always over your house, brother. Yeah. It's always windy, too. <laughs> All right, and the Pastor Strobel. No, it's light here where I'm at. I'm in the house, so I've got the light on. And <laughs> you can see what I'm doing. Always has to be different, David. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome back, everyone, and uh, glad everybody could join us for the big episode 33. Should modern culture dictate Christian beliefs? I can't wait to hear that one, Steve. I'm looking forward to that. Amen. So, what's everybody up to? Well, I just got back from a birthday party for man in our church who is going to be, Lord willing, 92 years old tomorrow. And it's Brother Frank, and he's uh, a good brother, been saved for many years. He's never been married. He's uh, you know, serves the Lord. He's, he used to teach Sunday school. He likes, he, he likes to uh, write out scriptures. matter of fact, you go to his apartment, he's got the plan of salvation on um, small poster-sized boards with different scriptures on his door. <laughs> and uh, he's never had a birthday party. Well, until tonight, he said he was three years old. He wanted to have one. They, his mom or his dad, one of them wouldn't let him. He cried about that, and he never had one. And uh, now he did, and I, I think he cried about that. Yeah, amen. <laughs> amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Then a little earlier in the week, I was um, in uh, Seneca, Pennsylvania, and had the opportunity to preach a chapel service for um, Faith Baptist uh, Academy and School of Theology there, Pastor Larry Williams. Uh, very nice uh, place down there. They're doing a good work. I've been down. He's been down there as a pastor for, I believe, um, right around 29 years, if not. Uh, and uh, it was a real privilege to be there and be with the people. Amen. 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 About you, Steve? Well, not doing a whole lot. Um, you know, just doing my job, uh, being faithful there, and, and uh, obviously faithful at the church with the responsibilities I have there. Did have an interesting thing uh, happen a, a week or so ago. Uh, uh, my daughter was in desperate need of a new car, 
and uh, uh, so we were, had the salesman. We went through a bunch of things and and uh, got the salesman in the car for a test drive, and he's sitting in the back seat, and and Jen is driving the car, and uh, says, "So, what do you do?" I said, "Well, I'm a welder by day, and I and I'm a preacher by night." He says. <laughs> Really, <laughs> amen. And uh, so that uh, allowed me the entrance to uh, to uh, preach to him a little bit, and uh, preach to him for a little while. And and all the while, I'm thinking all he's going to do is say yes to everything I say because he wants to sell a car. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, he still heard uh, the gospel and and uh, was interested. In fact, uh, hopefully he might be listening to the podcast because I gave him one of our cards and invited him to listen and uh, left him with a, with a positive uh, thing. I, I mean, I didn't hammer him or, you know, drill him, you know, to the wall or anything like that, but uh, uh, asked maybe, him questions. Maybe you can do that tonight on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just, you know, had conversation with him, which I believe, you know, uh, a, a good witness should. Instead of just dominating the conversation, I think a good witness ought to in, involve the person, find out where they're at, and find out what they're thinking about what you're saying, and and uh, work from there, and and let the word of God and the Holy Spirit do the work. So it was a, it was a joy. It was a lot of fun. And how about the uh, fellow out there in the dark? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, early we went out uh, door knocking, and it was light at that time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were able to go and knock some doors. It was a good time. Uh, Brother Tom and I went out and uh, able to talk to some people. And, and one guy that we uh, talked to, he, he, I don't know how it is, but every do- every door that I knock, it, uh, there's always a huge dog right there. And uh, Tom never gets the dogs. It's, it's somehow the Lord knows that I have more grace or something. I don't know what's going on, but opens up the door and dog starts barking really loud and so he uh he he shuts the door behind him which is pretty amazing and and he comes out and uh, starts talking to us and real nice gentleman his name's mike uh he seemed like he was maybe in his 60s and and uh, he started talking to us about uh you know how he works with a lot of people that are uh terminally ill with a cancer and uh he works with them spiritually mentally physically and all that kind of stuff he's roman catholic and, you know, I asked him, where, where would you go if you died right now? And he said, well, it's up to the Lord to decide, you know, but I'm doing my work here, which is doing that. And that's all I'm really worried about, you know. And so I went over, you know, Hebrews 9.27, and I told him, you know, it's pointing unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. And and uh, just try to get him thinking about spiritual things, you know, and where he's going to go. And it just seemed like he was more worried about other people than himself, you know. So I, I also uh, quoted to him that, uh, without Jesus Christ, that he'd be in a lake of fire, and and uh, you know, and, and I mean, he didn't take uh, any offense to it at all, you know, because I try to put it on myself and said, you know, I, I was worried about people more than myself, also. But uh, so it's got him thinking. We gave him a gospel track. So so if everybody could pray for Mike, I'm not sure of his last name, but uh, pray for him and and for uh, the Holy Spirit to convict him. And and I have a praise. We had our basketball ministry on Tuesday. It was the end of uh, the year uh, basketball. We're going to go outside now for the summer. But uh, we've been uh, playing in- indoors at uh, at a Baptist church, and uh, they have a little gym there. And uh, two guys got saved, so praise yeah. the Lord. The one guy, Mitch, he's been coming for three years straight <laughs> since we've been having the basketball ministry. And and uh, he was coming with a bunch of guys, and they would always make fun of the preaching and all that kind of stuff. One walked out at one, po- one point in front of the whole service, and... Uh, 
now finally uh, he got saved and, and he came up to Chris afterwards and said, you know, I was always afraid to come up to you guys and and uh, and ask you about how how uh, you know I could I could get saved. You know, we've we've always said it to him, but he wanted somebody to go through it with him. So so praise the Lord. You know, I mean, just uh, after three years, you know, you don't really know what's going on. You, you might not see many results, but but that was worth it all just uh, seeing Amen. that Mitch got saved. So so I praise the Lord for that. Amen. Amen. And his name's Mike. You say? Uh, Mitch. Mitch. Yep. All right. And Mike was the guy on visitation. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pastor Matt said uh, you had like a basketball tournament, three on yeah. three or something. Yeah, I lost pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, I don't know if that's where you were going, but that's uh, what Pastor Matt was saying. He said, "Oh, we beat Matt in the first round." Oh yeah, it's <laughs> exactly where he was going. <laughs> I, I knew he was going. He doesn't bring something that, like that up. With that, uh, absolutely, I didn't even know about it. Pastor Matt said, uh, "Did you talk to your son lately?" And I said, "Yeah, I think so." Why? He goes, "Tell you about basketball." <laughs> <laughs> And I'm I said, like, no, Matt, Matt's not going to tell me that if he lost. <laughs> I'm like, when's the last time you played? He's like, oh, I don't play very much at all. You know, he's trying to be humble and everything. Mm-hmm. And then he just kills us. He blows us out of the water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, we went out on visitation the other day, knocked some doors and just right around the church there, which was kind of good. And uh, we're going to... This weekend, have a little can jam tournament. Actually, it's with um, three people I work with. So we'll see how that goes. And all three of them have never played before. <laughs> well, see, now that's how Eric advantage. does it. You realize that's how Eric does it. He picks on people that have never played the games. So hey, one of them has to be my partner. <laughs> that's all right. They'll be on the website with all the boastful <laughs> results and blast and. <laughs> We know the drill. <laughs> you know, Pastor Strobel, you know, yes. the last the first time we played Can Jam and we got on the air the next time, he didn't say anything about it. Somebody oh. else had to bring it up. You know He must have lost. Now, yeah, he did. That's that was the whole point. He and Matt lost. And then this well, time we didn't know you were gonna we didn't know you were gonna count when we were played in a hurricane. We didn't know that was gonna count. <laughs> You said it was worse at uh, Pastor Strobel's than it was at my house. Remember? You think it was? Yeah, well, you said, uh, well, the thing is, uh, well, my point being, you're trying to sidetrack. <laughs> my point being is that as soon as we got on the air the last time and you started asking how things went, so, Steve, how did how'd the Can Jam thing go? You know, I had to bring that up right away. <laughs> So uh, I, that's your modus of operandi, or however. That's I'm just said. speaking truth, brother. Apparently, it's uh, you know you're having trouble with it. You can check that on episode what was it, 31, 32. <laughs> yeah. It should be in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> news and more. News and more. There you go. News and more. The news and more. That's right. And I thought I was pretty good with the pictures. I was. I was. Don't you think the pictures came out okay? I, I didn't hear any negative comments from you guys. Got Pastor Strobel sneaking through the hedges. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> but see if you don't look, if you don't if you don't know what's going on there, it looks like he's you know, like jumping up, you know, really high up in the trees to get this uh, frisbee. <laughs> <laughs> when actually he's falling through the bushes. I have to go back and look at it with that in mind. See if that's what it looks like. <laughs> the greatest shot is Steve's action shot with this. You know, backhand form there. That's, that's classic. 
you could you could uh you might be able you might be able to sell that to frisbee for a little <laughs> you know make a little money there on the side uh, yeah that's what advertisement it takes all of his back muscles to throw that frisbee so it about breaks your fingers when you try and catch it <laughs> Well, if you guys think I throw it hard, let me let me do it the next time, and I will throw it hard. <laughs> that's that's the spirit, brother. Yeah. <laughs> See, if I if I take out the competition, <laughs> not aiming for the can, I'm just aiming for the competition. <laughs> Watch him run and duck. Yeah. That's what your partner was doing the whole time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a competitive bunch. <laughs> and now back to our regularly scheduled. All right, let's go back. Yeah. Are you done, Steve? <laughs> I never started it, brother. I just finished it. Let's put it that way. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> Matt's got a quote of the day for us, don't you, Matt? I do. And and who is this? This is uh, Ronald Reagan, President Ronald Reagan here. This is President Ronald Reagan and what he said. Are you going to keep the music going? Of course. This is uh, Ronald Reagan and what he said. He was comparing the Good News uh, Bible, which is also called the Good News for Modern Man, or also known as the Today's English Version. And he was comparing these two. And uh, what he said was, and I quote, The sponsors of the Good News Version boast that their Bible is as readable as the daily paper, and so it is. But do readers of the Daily News find themselves moved to wonder at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth? Mr. Hanser suggests that, sadly, the tinkering and general horsing around with the sacred texts will no doubt continue as pious judges try to, con- uh, to try to get it right. It will not dawn on them that it has already been gotten right. And this was aired on September 6, 1977. Ronald Reagan said that. Amen. And- Amen. Do you do you have it listed there, Brother Matt, where it was aired? I do not. No. Amen. It reminds me of a quote from um, Lester Roloff who said, uh, the Bible doesn't need to be rewritten. It just needs to be reread. Mm, amen. That's a good, good. one. But uh, Ronald Reagan had a few things going for him, didn't he? Yeah. That's a, a great quote, and I say amen wholeheartedly. Amen. Amen. I think about uh, I was I was talking to uh, um, a young gentleman uh, just after basketball. We were going over the Bible versions, and and uh, he was saying, "Well, it's okay if all the new versions that are coming out are easy to read, right? You know, and and uh, you know, God didn't bring out the Bible just so it was really easy for people to read, you know. And and I quoted to him First Corinthians chapter two verse uh, fourteen, you know, where the Bible says, "For the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness unto him; neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned." You know, I mean, God's going to show you if your heart is truly seeking the Lord. He'll He'll show you out of the King James Bible uh, the plan of salvation easily, and uh, you know the other stuff is going to come to you until you uh, until you accept Christ as your Savior and have that Holy Spirit to teach you in all truth and guide you in all truth. And uh, if you don't understand the Bible, that's a good indication that you're not saved. You need to get right, and uh, and the Lord has made that specifically uh, in there so that you would know that you need to get saved. Amen. Hmm. And you certainly want to wouldn't want to pull your doctrine from those other Bibles. Oh yeah. 
That's where a lot of people get in trouble is I think they try to pull their doctrine from those other Bibles and then the doctrine comes up different. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though some of them might have nice pictures. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I got, you know, I do have, I do have that good news for modern man, you know, just to look at all the errors they've got in it, of course. And, and, uh, these pictures are, it looks like just somebody scribbled the pictures in there. Mm Mm-hmm. Just with a pencil. <laughs> yeah. Well, you made a comment earlier about, you know, having the Holy Spirit of God. You don't have to be saved in order to understand the Bible. You know, the Bible says there in First uh, Corinthians chapter 2, but the natural man or the lost man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. Uh, the only way that you're really going to understand the Word of God is, is with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And uh, that's the first prerequisite in order to understand the Bible. Of course, you know, if you want to understand salvation, he makes that understandable to a lost man so he can get it. So, you know, uh, don't have to have the Holy Spirit inside you to understand that. But the thing, uh, I guess, that, that you alluded to earlier was the, f- and what President Reagan alluded to, is the fact that that it may be more... The good news for modern man might be a, a little bit more newsy, uh, you know, as comparing it to a newspaper. But, but actually, the King James Bible is written in very readable and understandable English. Uh, I believe, if if I'm not mistaken, it's written on the between fourth and and sixth grade level. And a lot of these new versions uh, will take words from the King James and change them into words supposedly supposed to be easier to understand. You actually have to go to the dictionary to look them up (laughs) to be able to understand what they're saying. So they actually make it more difficult to understand than easier to understand. And um, the eloquence and the and the uh, 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 of the King James, you know, I I listen to uh, radio programs with different preachers that that will read from the NIV or the ASV. And it just doesn't have the same ring, doesn't have the same sound, it doesn't have the same power to it. It, it just seems like it's rambling on and doesn't make as much sense as when you hear the, the King James Bible being read. Amen. And back in, uh, way back in episode 11, we did a podcast called Which Bible is the Right One? Mm-hmm. And we covered some, uh, some reasons why these uh, new translations are are uh, not something you'd, you'd really want to spend a lot of time with, you know. Um, sure, there's a, and it's been said before that there's a, there's enough in there that you can get saved, but you can also get saved from a track. You're not going to use a track to to right. study from and, and base your doctrine on. So it's time yeah. once you get saved, it's time to graduate up to the real thing. Yeah. Amen. You know, the other thing too is uh, one of my friends went to Bible school. Uh, if you can call it a Bible school, and uh, <laughs> they, uh, they they didn't really use the King James Bible, but they uh, when they had to learn Scripture to memorize it, they would all they would always learn the King James, mm-hmm. uh, but they would use all the other Bible versions, and that's the one thing you never see is you never see somebody quoting from a different version. I've never heard anybody any Christian quote from a different version. Maybe they're out there, uh, but if they're quoting, a lot of times they're quoting the King James because it's so much easier to remember because God has it in there perfectly uh, uh, in, your, in the Holy Spirit to help you uh, be able to learn that. 
that that is mostly true. I I, do, I have occasionally though um, heard some people that that have memorized from other versions, and yeah. it's very sad. It's really yes. it's it's powerless. It's like somebody said, you know, um, in relationship to the modern version, somebody said like you know reading an NIV is kind of like trying to shave with a banana. Yeah, <laughs> it, it just yep. don't cut it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that's good. <laughs> I added the last part for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's that thing? I think I saw it on BibleBelievers dot com. Something about you know, uh, memorize X number of verses in two seconds. Yeah, James Knox does it. The fastest uh, memory plan or something. And mm-hmm. uses <laughs> NIV. He says All you can the use verses they left out. Yeah, yeah. You, you can learn these seventeen verses in two minutes, guaranteed. Because <laughs> there's, there's nothing there to memorize. Well, the one thing I, you know, if anybody has ever read the Amplified version, I certainly want to <laughs> wouldn't want to try to memorize that. Oh yeah, have a verse that drones on and on and on forever. Mm. That. I, <laughs> I don't ever remember anybody quoting from the, from the Amplified version. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, what do you think, Steve? Are you uh, are you set there? I'm ready as I'll ever be. All right. Let me see if I'm ready. I guess I am. All right. And here's Steve with "Should Modern Culture Dictate Christian Beliefs." All right, guys, thank you very much for the opportunity. I appreciate it greatly. Uh, as Eric has mentioned, the title of the, of the lesson today, Should Modern Culture Dictate Christian Beliefs? I want to draw your attention to uh, Proverbs chapter 30. And while you're turning there, let me uh, pray and, and begin this lesson. Father, we're thankful again for the time that we've had. Lord, that we can uh, poke fun at ourselves and enjoy each other's company. Lord, realizing that it is all just in jest, and uh, Lord, it's uh, in in a way uh, uh, terms of endearment that we uh, uh, joke with each other and, and poke fun at each other. Uh, Lord, I appreciate these guys, and I, uh, Lord, uh, love them in the Lord and, and appreciate uh, their service for you and their love for you and their desire for you. Uh, Lord, for our, reader, our listeners, uh, I ask God that you would minister to them and that you'd help them to understand the lessons that we have here on this podcast. And Lord, particularly for this lesson, Lord, it can be controversial, it can be divisive. And Lord, I ask your wisdom and, and to help me to present it in a way that would uh, provoke thought and uh, meditation and consider you in all of this instead of uh, considering ourselves. So Lord God, I ask that you'd bless it. For the glory of God, in Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs uh, chapter 30, I want to draw your attention to a few verses, starting in verse 11. And it goes this way, There is a generation that curseth their father, and doth not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes, and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords, and their jaw teeth as knives, to devour the poor 
from off the earth, and the needy from among men. Now, you go through those verses, and those are written many, many years ago by Solomon. And uh, uh, or the words of Agar, excuse me, I made a mistake there. And uh, uh, they're words of wisdom, and they're words that, uh, you know, you look at it, and if you try to uh, look at our own generation that we're living in today, they fit very aptly. Uh, there is a generation that's full of pride. There's a generation that is haughty against their parents. Uh, they're rebellious and so forth. And, of course, I guess you could say that every generation has a sense of these things. But uh, the generation that we're living in now is, is almost seems to be personified by these verses that we've read here. Um, depending on your worldview or your philosophy of life, will determine how you answer the question that we posed as the title, Should Modern Culture Dictate Christian Beliefs? And when I say Christian, <clears throat> I'm talking about biblical Christianity. And I just want to make that clear. Just because a person calls themselves Christian doesn't mean that they're a Christian, number one, and number two, that they're following the Bible as their source of belief. Those who are opposed to biblical Christianity, whether they be atheist or agnostic, New Agers, or as they've now dubbed the new, this generation, uh, the, the millennium generation, or the socialist, or those liberal Christians, uh, will, they will side with the affirmative. They think that modern culture should dictate Christian beliefs. They believe that Christianity and the Bible are fluid. And by that, I mean that they are flexible and they're subject to the changing culture. The Word of God and Christian dogma are relative and they're subject to personal interpretation. And they are only guidelines and they're not to be followed explicitly. Those which espouse this view have and I've dealt with them, so I know what I'm talking about, an air of piety. Uh, they kind of take the high road. Um, those which, uh, they, they refer to those that oppose their own view as being ignorant, bigoted, homophobic, and intolerant. And oftentimes they'll cite from the Bible portions of Scripture to justify their position. I'm sure any of you have, have dealt with someone that is of this sort, have heard them say, well, you know, God is a God of love, and God wouldn't send anybody to hell. You know, God loves the sinner, and he hates the sin. Of course, you won't find that anywhere in the Word of God. We're all part of God's family. We're all going to go to heaven. Uh, there are many roads to heaven. Uh, it doesn't make any difference how you get there as long as you get there. While at the same time, they're insisting on the tolerance, the acceptance, or the condoning of such practices as abortion, homosexuality, same-sex marriage, adultery, fornication, pornography. You know, I, I've had some guys at work <clears throat> that... Uh, look at pornography, 
And uh, one of the things that they use to justify the pornography of today is talking about the artist of old, uh, Michelangelo and others that uh, have done nude uh, pictures and sculptures and so forth, and and they all work it under the guise of art and free expression. Our court systems have have uh, delegated that pornography is an expression of speech. Our culture is trying to dictate what the Bible would term as lewd behavior and so forth. Um. They are insisting that we become tolerant and accepting and condoning these things. The other side would view the question, uh, should modern culture dictate Christian beliefs, with a resounding no. And I would put myself in that category. Uh, believing that the Bible and Christian dogma are static and what I mean by that that they're unchanging they don't move we don't change our position or the Bible's position on our own whim on our own desires our own uh, uh, preferences first century Christians wrote the scriptures I'm talking about Paul and uh, the Apostle Paul and Peter and and the Apostle John they wrote the scriptures, and when they wrote them, they wrote them in the first century, and they're still valid and applicable today. What the Bible declares as sin is still sin, no matter of the intolerance. <laughs> the Bible that states uh, the the Bible is stating a truth, which the Word of God declared has declared for the centuries. And that's the position of those people that believe that culture should not dictate Christian beliefs. Now, where does this all come from? The, the real issue that we're facing here with this discussion is, what is your authority for your worldview? What is your authority for your conduct? What is your authority for your philosophy of life? Now, I kind of try to look back at things, and I try to try to put things in perspective as to, you know, what's happened in the past and what has happened in the past that has affected the future or, or our present day. <clears throat> After better than a half century of values clarification, situation ethics, and survival games that have been taught in our uh, schools, whether it be college or junior colleges or, or high schools and even grade schools. Uh, the morals and ethics of our culture have changed dramatically. You think of what they term as the great generation, the World War II generation, the character that they displayed, the, uh, the personal uh, uh, integrity, Honesty, uh, all of those ethics and morals that they displayed that got them through a very, very difficult time of war, uh, such as the World War II. And seeing successive generations lose more and more and more of the character and the ethics and the morals into what we now have 
and it's been a gradual move. I mean, my generation had less character than uh, the generation preceding it to what we've come up today now <coughs> into a self-centered, egotistical society interested in self-gratification and on top of that, instant gratification. I want what I want when I want it. Whatever pleases me is what I want. Now, in a broad sense, the Bible calls this covetousness. Now, we're living in a society, I, I, I listen to a radio program uh, on a Christian radio station. It's a financial program. Uh, some of you may have heard of, heard of Dave Ramsey. He's got a program on there. And I listened to case after case after case after case after case of people who have gotten themselves in trouble with uh, credit cards. I heard of some that had over $70,000 in credit card debt. Another one that was over $100,000 in debt with credit cards. And, and today's motto is charge it, charge it, charge it. <laughs> Don't wait. Don't save. Get it now before the deal is done, <laughs> before the sale goes off. Get it. You know, the old adage that they, I believe they had it for a beer commercial, you, you only go through once in life, get all the gusto you can. You know, you, you hear this other one, you know, the, he that dies with the most toy win, most toys wins. You know, that's all a mindset Culture dictates what we do, how we act, what we think. You read the book of Proverbs, it teaches financial or fiscal responsibility. Now, the culture wants us to accept and condone behavior that's not right. Uh, give you some examples here. A, a couple may be in a relationship, and culture says that it's okay for them to live together. It's okay to have premarital sex. It's okay to get rid of an unwanted pregnancy. There was an old song that was around when I was growing up. <clears throat> it was called, It's My Party and I'll Cry If I Want To. Uh, I've kind of uh, changed that a little bit ar around for today's culture. Uh, it's my body, and I'll do what I want to. You know, we've heard for, for years and years and years that it's the woman's body. It's her right to choose. Uh, have you ever thought about what God thinks about the thing? It's, you know, I'll get to it in a minute, but, but you know, I can't just let it go by without saying at least this introductory thing that, that it's not your body. <laughs> it's not yours at all, saved or lost. It's not yours. Honor and integrity are relative to the situation. Morals and ethics are what you make them out to be. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to. Some of you may be small business owners. And uh, put yourself in this, in this scenario. You own a business, and you have some employees that feel it's okay to lie, to cheat, and to steal from you. The simple reason is because they feel like they deserve it. 
And before you go shouting and saying, well, that's not right, well, just remember it's their own personal ethics. It's their own morals. It's their own standard by which they've created their own lifestyle. It's okay for them. That's what situation ethics tells us. That's what values clarification declares. It's okay for you to change the established morals, the established ethics, and make them what you want them to be. But, be, but that same business owner, you, won't think try twice of cheating on your taxes. You'll lie and cheat and steal from the government because you feel like you deserve it. The government's taking too much money. It's your own ethics. And the government sees nothing wrong with definite deficit spending. Spending money it doesn't have to pay for projects and programs of their own choosing. Corrupt government doing what it wants. But it's within their own ethics. It's within their own morals. Some of those monies <clears throat> go to those that have an entitlement mentality. Uh, they don't need, feel like they, they need to earn it in any way. They feel as if they deserve it. Uh, just give it to me. I'm not going to work for it. I deserve it. I've had this, uh, uh, I, I won't go into the whole story, but the, the, I'll give you the line that was given when someone wanted them to, uh, the people that were uh, given this entitlement <laughs> to work for what they were, gi were given, they were told, uh, these people said to this official, says, uh, it is below my dignity to do that work. And they refused to do the work to get the entitlement. And it didn't change anything. They got the entitlement anyway. You ever go to a mechanic or go to a car dealership and feel like you've been ripped off? Uh, if, I don't believe I'm alone in that thing. There have been times I've taken my car to a place to get an inspection. The guy puts it up on the jack, and I'm, I'm uh, standing there watching him do his inspection. And he's taken uh, the hoses for the brake line, and there's some rubber hoses up there, the flexible hoses, and he's taking, he's bending them and creates a crack, and they start to leak. Then he comes back out to me and tells me, your brakes are leaking. You need to have them replaced. Well, Christian or not, I was a little hot under the collar. I didn't yell at him. I didn't scream profanities at him. I just said, just take it down. I'll take it home. He said, well, you can't do that. I've already scraped the sticker off. I said, I don't care. Take it down. I'll take it home, and I'll fix it myself. I, I just, it frosted me to no end that somebody had the kind of morals that would do something like that right in front of my face. You know, you take your take your uh, car in and, and it's having some transmission problems. And I know that there are solutions to that that are, you know, $50 fixes. But you know darn good and well you're at the mercy of those mechanics. And they come back out and they tell you, I'm sorry, Mr. Bear, this is going to cost you $1,500. When the thing could have cost $20 to fix, and he's going to charge you that much money. 
You can't tell me that stuff doesn't go on. Why? Because culture has dictated that their ethics and their morals, and they've been trained in school growing up, that it's okay to do those things. It's all right. I heard a, a refreshing story. A fellow I work with had a has a motorcycle, and he was looking at one of his tires, and he was just a, you know, a little leery. He had to go have it taken in for inspection, and he was just a little leery that the tread wasn't enough for the inspection. So he brought it into a dealership and and uh, mentioned to the fellow that uh, that uh, he was a little concerned about the tire. The guy took a look at it. He says, you know, uh, uh, fella, I, c- I could take your money, and I could give you a new tire, but you really don't need it. You've got plenty of wear left on that thing, and uh, I'd, I'd only be taking your money if, if that were the case. And he said, well, thank you very much. <laughs> Saved him about $200 for the tire. Uh, you know, that should be the norm, yet in today's society, in today's culture, that's a novelty. That's a novelty. You know what's missing in the aforementioned scenario? It's God and his word. Up to this point, the source of authority has been each person's opinion. But I want to I draw your attention to what God says. Remember what I talk, told you about that you're not your own? Your body is not your own. Now, all humans were created for God's pleasure. It says in Revelation, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Christians have even more so, or how can I say, um, it affects them even more, uh, the fact that they're not their own. It says in Corinthians, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God? Ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God should be first. In all of this, you know, we talked about self gratification and everyone wanting to please themselves and uh, they can't wait for anything. God should be first, not yourself and not your own pleasures. The Bible says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, we talked about the couple living together, and that goes on all the time. They live in together before they get married. But the Bible says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. We're supposed to flee fornication. <clears throat> you know, people committing adultery, it takes place all the time. I mean, just... All you have to do is take a look at the tabloids, you know, there's your, in the checkout line, you know, all the starlets and all the, the movie stars, uh, they're cheating on each other all the time, and it's, it, it's news all the time. You, you have all these television programs and all these things going on that, that 
create a culture that cheats on their spouse. The Bible says, thou shalt not commit adultery. We're not supposed to have anything to do with abortion just to get rid of an unwanted pregnancy. The Bible says it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and cast into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. You know, the Bible talks about not putting our focus and our attention on ourselves, but it ought to be on others. You know, there's an old acronym, I believe that's the right term for this, where it, you take the word joy, and in order to have real joy, you ought to put in priority Jesus, others, and you. And where that's found is founded in this, uh, in Philippians. <clears throat> if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, in any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We talked about cheating on taxes. The Bible says this, and he said unto them, Render therefore under Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Now, we haven't talked about it yet, but there are those that want to soften judgment. In fact, we did say it a little bit before. We said God would never send anybody to hell. But the Bible says the wicked shall be turned into hell, and all nations that forget God. Uh, we're not to uh, talk about salvation being many ways and many ways to get to God. The Bible says, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which, uh, be which go in thereat. But the straight, because the straight is, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth to life and few there be that find it. There are not many ways to God. There's one way to God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know, we talked about those that want us to condone sexual perversion, same-sex marriage. The Bible says this, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the women, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of the air which was meat. Modern Christianity, modern Christianity is embracing the culture to
to reach the unchurched. You know, <clears throat> I've been in the, the modern churches, the big mega churches. Uh, I have seen things on TV from those churches. Uh, I have listened to the music that they, uh, that they use in their worship service. And I can tell you that the type of music of my day was a symbol of rebellion and anarchy. And that same music is now being used in the worship services because they want to reach the unchurched. Modern Christianity wants the unchurched to feel good about themselves so they will turn to Christ. The God of the Bible wants you to feel bad about yourself so that you will turn to Christ. That's what the term repentance is all about. You're acting a certain way which is sinful and wrong, and he declares that you need to repent, change your ways so that you'll turn to Christ. The Bible says this, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. It's like you're heading one particular de uh, direction. Let's say you're heading east, and you're heading in a sinful path, a wrong path. The things that you're doing are against God and against the Bible. And all of a sudden, you hear something from the Word of God that convicts you of your sin, shows you that you are wrong, and that judgment will come because of that sin. Repentance is turning around and going the other direction and heading west instead of east. That's what repentance is. The Bible says this in that same frame, for they themselves show of us what manner of entering into in we had unto you, how that ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Again, it's doing something that you shouldn't and you realize that you need to change and making that change. You know, oftentimes when dealing with people of this uh, type of mindset, they think that we're hard and uncaring. And they often try to cite things from the Bible to try to show us that, that you know, we, we need to have a more forgiving spirit spirit. Well, I want to remind you that it, it's, it's not the forgiving spirit that you need to focus on. We have more forgiveness in our hearts than what you, what you think we might have. You remember Jesus when he was uh, presented with the woman taken in adultery? Remember how he stooped down on the ground and he wrote some things on the ground? Do you remember what he said to her? He said he didn't condemn her. He forgave her, which is, which is right, which he did. And I agree with that. I have no problem with that. But remember what also he said? He said, go and sin no more. Jesus Christ did not condone her sin. He didn't just pass it over and let it go by the wayside. She was caught in the act, the very act. 
and they presented her to him, and with shamefacedness, she deserved the punishment that the law required, which was stoning. But Jesus Christ did forgive her. But he confronted her with her sin. Do you remember the woman at the well? Jesus Christ strikes up a conversation, offers her living water. She wants that living water. But in order for her to receive it and, uh, and to, to receive it for herself, Jesus Christ had to bring her sin into account. He said, uh, uh, go bring your husband or something along that line. And she says, uh, I have no husband. And then he begins to tell her that you've had five husbands, and the one that you're with is not your husband. And, of course, she realized that she was standing in the presence of someone who was far greater than just a man that was asking for a cup of water. He confronted her with her sin. Before a person can ever trust Christ as their Savior, they have to be confronted with their sin, and they have to be willing to repent of that sin in order to receive eternal life. The other thing that will be brought up from those that think culture should dictate Christian beliefs is they come up with the biblical admonition, judge not lest you be judged. And of course, the scripture has something to say about that. Those same people don't read their Bible all the way through, or at least they ignore this verse. It says, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. There's nothing wrong with us making judgment of what is right and what is wrong. That's what the whole law was given for. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. Those things, and many others, <clears throat> were given to show us what is right and what is wrong. The Bible says, wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. We can take the Word of God, and through it, examine a life, examine our own, and without an air of condemnation, but in an air of compassion, confront them with a sin problem so that they might understand the scriptures and they might understand their desperate need of salvation. If a Christian is walking afar off, there's nothing wrong with confronting that person as long as they do it according to the way the Word of God prescribes for them to do it. Ye that are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. Spirit of meekness. Not coming down and pointing the bony finger at somebody and saying, you're wrong, get right with God. It's the spirit of meekness. Lest thou also be tempted. Look, there's a, there's a warning against doing that in the wrong at, uh, wrong wrong motive, in the wrong atmosphere, because that thing will be turned around against you, and you're liable to fall from that same sin. Should we change for culture? I don't think so. 
You know, we are to be lights in this world. We're to be salt. And salt, as you know, when it's put into a wound, it hurts. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're to declare the Word of God. We're to take the Word of God and allow it to judge. Allow it to point out the wrong that's in a person's life. Not for the sake of just trying to make them lower than us and show how righteous and how pure and how holy we are. That's not the motive of it at all. And I must confess, there are some Christians that do it that way. But the culture is heading in a very perverse and wicked way. And there are people that want Christianity to change to accommodate their beliefs. They want to be accepted. They want us to condone their lifestyles. They want us to condone their wickedness and their ungodliness so that they can live their life without reprisal, without someone saying that they're wrong. And if we do say they're wrong, they're going to scream and holler and point accusatory fingers toward us and saying that we're not Christian, that we're judging, and that we're doing all of these things that they have no idea what the Bible says about the issues. They're just trying to use the Bible against us to prevent us from stating what should be said. Our culture is, like I said, heading in a very, very wrong, wrong, wrong direction. And there needs to be somebody to stand in the gap and let them know that there's a God in heaven that expects righteousness and truth and holiness. And he wants that lost world out there to know that he has provided a way of salvation for them, that they might come to him, they might have fellowship with him. The Bible says this, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We're not supposed to give in to the culture. If we do, the love of the Father is not in you. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Should culture, modern culture, change our Christian beliefs? I'm here to say no, it shouldn't. We should stand up against it. And no matter how how loud they cry and and how loud they bellow against us, we should stand up against it and proclaim the truth of the Word of God. Guys, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. 
Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. And when I think that God his Son not sparing sent him to die, I scarce can take it in that on a cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin then sings my soul my Savior God to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, My God, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee, how great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Amen. Thanks again, Steve, for that, uh, that lesson. Amen. You know, I... I yeah, a lot of good points there, and you know, one of the things that you mentioned early on was how a lot of folks will say, "Well, come on, you know, we're, whether we're Hindu or Muslim or whatever, we're all God's children." But obviously, they haven't taken a look at Galatians three twenty six, which does say the first part of that: "For you're all the children of God." But then there's a qualifier, and that's by faith in Christ Jesus. So. I don't know. There's a lot there. Who who else has something to add? I just go ahead, Pastor Trouble. No, you're fine. I just wanted to, uh, you know, it, it brought up a lot of uh, really memories, especially when I was talking about a couple guys have gotten up at basketball uh, when we've been preaching, and a lot of these guys have never heard preaching before. I mean, they're 18, 20 years old, and they've never heard preaching before because of the <clears throat> the modern culture today. They take out the, the Ten Commandments out of the schools. I mean, they used to have those posted up on the schools. Uh, they take them out of the court systems now. They take Bibles out so you don't have to put a hand on a Bible anymore and swear on a Bible. Uh, they, they're just taking God's Word out uh, is what modern culture is doing. 
and uh, and it's it's making uh, just uh, people that don't know God's law, and and the most important thing about that, and I totally agree with uh, Brother Steve, is that we have to uh, uh, lay down our our our. Uh, uh, we can't put our guards down. We have to fight uh, for for having God's word be put out. And uh, it made me think about a couple verses here. And, uh, you, you know, when, when that man um, walked out, there was one man that walked out in front of the, in front of the service and made a, made a pretty big ruckus. And this is what was being preached. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. He's never heard that before, and he got upset. And that, I don't know why, but that definitely convicted him. And you know what that did? It convicted him of sin. And, and Paul even said himself, he said, I would not have known sin except uh, uh, the law come and sin revived and I died. And that man right then and there, that young gentleman, uh, he knew he was a sinner right then and there, and he got convicted, he couldn't handle it, and he got out. And the problem with uh, modern culture today uh, trying to dictate the Christian beliefs. They're trying to take that um, that law, the Ten Commandments and all the others that, that uh, convict us of sin out of, uh, out of our lives so we don't have to think that we're, we're going to fall short of heaven. And uh, Romans chapter 3 verse 19 says, Now we know that whatsoever things the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may be become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Without the law, uh, we wouldn't understand our need for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and that's what's going on with the modern culture today, is they're just trying to say, love everybody, you know, just don't hate them, you know. And, and those that preach the gospel of Jesus Christ have to show that there is a law, and uh, there's penalty for, for going against that law. And people don't like to hear it. The modern culture doesn't like to hear it. Uh, but we're commanded to preach the gospel so people can get saved and the Lord can work. Hey Amen. This world thinks in this day and age, um, if they can get the last word in, then they've got to be right. And, and this uh, topic is so uh, relevant because our, the truth of the Bible and the stands that Christians take for it, they're just constantly under attack. And in the media, you know, savvy world that we live in today, with all the outlets from the uh, Internet, as we're on here, uh, to the, uh, the newspapers, the magazines, uh, the television, the radio, just, the, just uh, how these things can go around the world in less than 24 hours. Um, they, they, they can just continually, and they do, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, just combat um, sound thinking, sound scriptural, spiritual thinking. And they think if they speak louder and longer uh, that they're right. And the more people that hear them speak louder and longer, they, they, they tend to think they're right as well. But uh, I'm reminded of an old quote from uh, Anatole France, which goes something like this. If 50,000 people say a stupid thing, it's still a stupid thing. And it comes right down to what Brother Steve said is, uh, what is your authority? And their authority is uh, nothing more than their own brains. Whatever they can think of, however they feel, whatever seems to be right. And, uh, and, and you, you can interview 10 different people about a subject and come up with 10 different answers. And, and they think, okay, well, then, then all those answers have relevancy, you know, to some degree or another. 
But the truth of the matter is, if you're going to find the truth of the matter, you're going to have to get the truth. Brother Steve quoted um, uh, John 14, 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth's going to come through Jesus Christ. Jesus himself would uh, say in John 17, I believe it was verse 7, uh, he just, he prayed to the Father. He said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Maybe 17, 17, one of those two. But sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so our authority in, in uh, our lives and what we um, talk about on this program is the authority is the scriptures. It's the word of God, which is preserved for us intact perfectly in the King James Bible. And uh, the people that go against what um, uh, Brother Steve talks about, another thing they can't stand is that when we as Christians speak in terms of absolutes, and that's what we do, we'll say, okay, this is what the Bible says about the subject, and so uh, this is where I stand. And that doesn't make us um, uh, to be uh, ignorant people. It doesn't make us to be people that um, don't care about others. It simply means that we've embraced the God of heaven. We believe his book, and we're standing where he stands. Right. I think it was Martin Luther that um, had his famous quote, Here I Stand, and uh, wrote a book uh, by the same title. I also want to make mention of um, uh, the verse that Steve mentioned uh, that people often quote. They say, Judge not, lest ye be judged. I call it the great backsliders verse. But, but that's a misnomer as well. Because um, as far as I know, uh, every, 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 starting with the King James Bible and every other version I've checked, um, that's not found in any Bible. I've never been able to find it in one Bible where it says, judge not lest ye be judged. It's not in there. Look, if you can find a Bible with it, let me know, and uh, I'm interested in finding it. But um, probably they'll insert it someday. But that is simply a misquotation of Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. And uh, where Matthew, what Matthew 7, 1 says is, judge not that ye be not judged. Somebody says, oh, well, same thing. Well, if you're going to use it against somebody, at least quote it right. Mm-hmm. All right? And if you don't know what the Bible says, quit pretending like you do. Because in the same passage in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said this, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. That's Matthew seven fifteen. Would you say he's judging? I'll leave, it, I'll leave it to you to determine that. He said this in the same passage, Ye shall know them by their fruits. And again, in verse 20, Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. So simply what we do is we look at what the Bible says and then we inspect fruit. And then I'll say one other thing. And uh, in regard to the people that say, you know, judge not lest you be judged, judge not lest you be judged, they can say it all they want. That's all they do just about from uh, the time they get up in the morning to the time they go to bed at night is they judge uh, everybody and his brother starting with you. <laughs> and you listen to them at work. Uh, you listen to them at the store. You listen to them on the radio, the television. These people telling you not to judge just get ready. Uh, when they quote that verse or misquote it, uh, they're getting ready to judge you. And they will, and they won't bat an eye. So they don't even hold, this, hold themselves to the same standard they hold you to. So, you know, don't worry about it. Preach the Bible and, uh, and stand with what the Scripture says. As uh, Brother Steve quoted, the Scriptures give us some insight about judgment. We can say, you know, when we judge or when we, when we put forth a judgment, and the judgments of the Lord are true, um, we're not condemning a person to hell. We don't have that power or authority. We're not trying to do that at all. We'll simply say, hey, here's what you want to know what the Bible says about a subject, or you want to know what I believe about the subject. Well, this is what the Bible says, and that's what I believe. And, then, and it's as simple as that. Amen.
and there, and there is a you know there is a almost a bully mentality to muzzle Christians that somehow we're intolerant, we're bigoted. You can't possibly believe you know that and and condemn everyone else and say you're the only ones that know the truth and the Bible's the only way and Jesus is the only way. That's you know you can't say anything bad about the uh, homosexuals because uh, that that's being intolerant and bigoted and and uh, there's there there is a move you know and I, you, it's and it's you're right it's on TV it's on radio. Um, and I think just the Muslim Christianity to, to try and get us not to say anything. Exactly. And there's a double standard there because they can speak against what we believe all day long and nobody bats an eye. But let somebody, and I, and I speak largely, not just one group, I'm talking about a whole bunch of things that Brother Steve covered. But let somebody stand up against what, what one of these particular groups believes and, and say one word about it. And they're ready to blast that thing to the moon and make you out to be um, uh, the uh, you know next uh, best thing to the Antichrist, <laughs> or the next worst thing. Yeah. Steve, you still with us? Did we lose Steve? I'll still I don't. Huh. Maybe we did. I'm here. I'm here. Are you there? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. We just thought maybe we thought maybe you lost you there for a minute. You fall asleep? No. Nope. <laughs> I had it on mute so I could cough, and I forgot to put it back on. <laughs> Steve's think, been yelling. I've been saying amen a lot. This is great. I, I really <laughs> <laughs> and Matt, on that note, I think Steve falls asleep during your preaching, but not during his. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he stays awake for one of them. <laughs> Oh, thanks, guys. I love you guys a lot. Maybe I'll have to take back that prayer I prayed at the beginning. <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, I guess we shouldn't, this shouldn't surprise us that the, the world is, views us this way either. No, I mean, do you realize that it's it's been this way, you know, through many, many generations. I mean, I, I've just gotten done doing some things on, on church history and, and Baptist history in America and so forth, and and they were doing the same thing then, maybe not the same excuses. Uh, you know, it was the state churches that were trying to silence the Christians because, uh, you know, they were a threat to their uh, their parishioners and so forth, their, their power source, or their power uh, you know the people underneath them that were being pulled away. Um, you know they they made up laws that you couldn't talk, uh, you know, or preach uh, outside of the established churches. And if you were caught, you you were uh, jailed or and tortured and persecuted and so forth. Uh, you know that same type of mentality has been going on throughout the centuries. Uh, but as as much as that's happened, great revival has taken place also. So that's the reason for the admonition to keep going. Because uh, even though the cultures of the different centuries have tried to do away with Christianity, uh, God, through his grace and through his providence, has, has allowed Christianity to flourish and, and to be present, <laughs> if you will. Uh, you know, if those fellows that were jailed in Virginia and North Carolina and South Carolina uh, for preaching the gospel had stopped, where would you and I have been? Mm -hmm. We would not be here. Well, let's put that 
another direction. If we stop and the Lord tarries, where will people be if we do not speak? If, if the culture silences us, where, where's the gospel going to be if, if we keep our mouth shut? Mm-hmm. And we can't do it with a social gospel, and it won't be done with uh, easy believism because that's proven to be ineffective because as soon as you get them in the door and in the baptistry, they're out the door and they never come back. And, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't work. Real biblical Christianity is the, are those that have come to an understanding and a realization that they have sinned against a righteous and a holy God, and they're in a world of hurt unless something is done for them. And by the grace of God, God did something himself to remedy that situation. And uh, if it weren't for that, we wouldn't have a hope in the world. And if we keep silent, nobody's going to have that hope. So all these modern methods, you know, try to, you know, I've actually heard that where, and and I wasn't saying that just off the top of my head, they want the modern Christian movement wants people to feel good about themselves. The reason for the music, it's their kind of music. They use their own kind of music so that they'll be happy in church. So they'll want to be there so that they'll want to receive Christ. And that is not the biblical model. It is not that at all. I mean, Jesus Christ, when he came, was different than anybody else. And what he demanded of his people was change. That's what discipleship is all about, is change. Moving from what you used to be to what God wants you to be. And again, you know, it, it, almost, it almost goes without saying that when they talk about us in, in, in the respect of what I'm talking about right now, they instantly associate somebody that, that badgers and harangues and harasses people. And that couldn't be any further from the truth. Uh, for those that will um, <clears throat> harass people and badger people for the gospel's sake are just as wrong as those that, that do it from the other approach. Jesus Christ, you, you don't see him badgering people. You don't see him badgering Nicodemus, now you see him being very blunt with him, but you don't see him badgering him. You don't see him doing that to the woman at the well. You don't see him doing that to the blind man there in in John chapter 9. You don't see him doing that, the woman taken in adultery. You don't see him doing that with blind Bartimaeus or any of those others. The only one you see him getting testy with are those that are are following the culture, (laughs) The, the scribes and the Pharisees. They were trying to dictate their modern tradition as being superior to the Word of God. And that's when Jesus Christ had it out for them. And there is the only one that he got tested with. Right. The people that were um, the religious people that had the false doctrine of the, that day and were leading the people astray. Right. And, uh, and it's important that people that are listening understand that when we deal with, with some of the types of people that... Um, Brother Steve refer, referred to in his message that um, uh, we deal with them uh, like they're real people. 
Yeah. We don't approach them with, you know, holding a, a cross in their face and having a steak in their back pocket, you know, and, uh, and garlic on a string. <laughs> we're, we're not approaching them like that. Um, right. I'll talk to them just like they're a real person. I'll meet them where they're at, like Jesus did with the woman at the well, and I'll compassionately try to uh, tell them the truth. And if they disagree by the time uh, we're done, uh, I'll try to leave as, as best I can on a good note with them, and I'll yeah. pray for them. Because we have compassion for their soul, and if it yes. wasn't for the grace of God, uh, we could be in a situation just like them amen. or worse. Amen, amen. You know, I work in an elementary school, and sometimes I think that people that uh, that uh, disagree with us and we disagree with them, it's just because we disagree, they sometimes view it as something, you know, as Steve said, is maybe badgering. Yeah, in an elementary building, often when I talk to kids and they have a complaint, like, my teacher yelled at me. Well, what they really mean to say is my teacher told me to sit down or, you know, mm-hmm. don't talk, and she didn't yell. But to them, it comes off as yelling, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's nothing of the sort. But I think sometimes because we quote the Bible, and here's what the Bible says, that it speaks pretty loud to them, and maybe they take it sometimes as yelling, but certainly not the intention. Well, sometimes, you know, and I know it's within my my character and you guys know me well enough that that you know if i get passionate about something i get excited and my voice raises and and the intensity level goes up it has nothing to do with anger or 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 uh, spite or anything else uh, it is just because i am passionate about something and there are people in the you know i meet in the workplace that that are passionate about the sabers or the bills or or any number of politics or whatever and they, they get, you know, I'll say riled up. That's my term for it. But, you know, sometimes people will misconstrue that as being, you know, dogmatic and bigoted. And, and uh, you know, uh, you think you're right and everybody else is wrong and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. that's just not the case. No, and we, I should point out, too, that in preaching, whether it's public or in a, in a local church, um, or an auditorium somewhere, or at uh, you know any type of public gathering, um, we're going to get loud sometimes, and we're going to lift right. up our voice, and sometimes we're even going to yell. And, and and the Bible tells us, "Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression, in the house of Jacob their sin." So, so the voice will get lifted up. Jesus Christ did that. He um, uh, lifted up his voice and and cried uh, in the public. You know, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Mm-hmm. So. <clears throat> That's how we'll do it in public, but that doesn't mean that when we're dealing with a person one-on-one that we're in their face doing the same thing because we're not. Right. There's, a, right. there's a difference between preaching uh, and personal work, Amen. and uh, one of the lessons I learned early on in my Christian life is that a, a preacher's bark is worse than his bite, <laughs> and I, I remember hearing those guys behind the pulpit in the middle of a service thunder, and then I'd watch them after the service as they talk, and they would seem... Uh, meek and almost shy sometimes mm-hmm. and quiet and uh, the the contrast in the personality was was simply okay the man was getting up and speaking like the bible says as the oracles of god right but uh but he is a humble uh, man and a meek man and this reminds me of uh, what moses must have looked like to the people for the bible said that moses was meek above all men in the earth yeah and yet uh, he was a thundering prophet of god mm-hmm. man all right, well, I know we could go on even longer. There's a lot more to say about this topic, but it looks like we're getting on to uh, 
an hour and 23 minutes, so and we'll close it here. Pastor Strobel. I hope he didn't preach that long. <laughs> no, we had a little... I'm rivaling with Matt. <laughs> we had a little banter before, and then we had some discussion after, and I think, I think it was all good. Pastor Strobel, I believe you're going to be up next. All right, sounds good. All right, we'll be... Lord willing, getting getting together to do that again soon. Steve, you have an idea for a graphic for your your title here? Uh, boy. You you normally take care of that. I I guess I haven't really thought about it. If I if I think about it, I'll uh, I'll let you know. Alrighty. I'm gonna I'm gonna make the the larger graphics now too, just because we have that. I don't know why I wasn't doing it before. We have that web space, so mm-hmm. maybe it'll just add a little bit more interest too. Amen. All right. Well, thanks again, guys. Amen. And see you next time. On that shore, free from all care, rising up in the sky, telling this world goodbye. Homeward we then will fly, glory to share. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will many will meet their doom. Trumpets will surely sound All of the dead shall rise Righteous be in the skies Going where, going where no one dies Heavenward bound Jesus is coming soon Morning or night or noon Many will, many will meet their doom Trumpets will Trumpets sound Trumpets will surely sound All of the dead shall rise Righteous be in the skies Going where, going where no one dies Heavenward bound Heavenward bound This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at thatsinthebible.com or email us at that's in the Bible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at 716-584-1611. Again, that's 716-584-1611. As always, thanks for listening and press on.